0: This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox of Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For other sermons from Antioch, you can visit the church website at antiochchurchnc.org. Now, let's turn our hearts to the Word of God. Is Genesis chapter
1: 15, verses 1 to 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you were able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness.
0: Amen. Good morning, Antioch, and welcome all of you who are visiting with us online today. Maybe next week you'll be here in person. Come and join us. This passage today, and I'm going to preach briefly because we have a Kentucky mission report as well, but this passage today is as fundamental to our Christian lives as any passage you will find in the Bible, and I say that with all sincerity. It speaks to the question of faith. How important is our faith? Well, I like what Martin Luther said. He said, God, our Father, has made all things depend on faith, so that whoever has faith will have everything. Everything and whoever does not have faith will have nothing. Pretty strong, right? Thomas Carlyle said it like this. A man lives lives by believing something, we would say someone, not by debating and arguing about many things. Faith in God is not something you earn, but it does not come easy. Why? Because it's something you can't earn. Think about it. If we could earn faith, all of us who are willing to work hard and put a little elbow grease into it, man, we'd be overflowing with faith, but it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The definition we see in Hebrews 11 is perfect. 11.1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. There's the promise, the assurance of things hoped for. And the conviction of things not seen. There's the willingness to move forward because of the promise. We're going to see how that works out today in Abram's life and how it's worked out in our lives and continues to work out because faith is not just something you have upon the day of your salvation. Amen? Faith is the muscle that grows and grows as you trust God, learn to trust Him, love to trust Him more and more. So let's look at this how it works out today with Abram. Uh, three main points declaration, complaint, and assurance. God says, after these things, verse 1 after these things, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. After what things? After what things? Well, what we've just studied, right? What we've just seen. The vision God gives Abram in 15 comes after Abram has acted in 14 in great courage to risk his life to save those who've been captured by the four kings, right? After he's been blessed by Melchizedek, after he's resisted the temptation of the king, of, of Sodom, who said, you take the stuff, and he said, no, I, I belong to God, and everything I have is God's, and, and you're not going to give me anything. You're not going to take any glory from God. After that, God speaks in a vision. Now, it's interesting how God starts this word to Abram. I'm wondering if maybe God starts the way he does, because Abram knows those four kings are still out there, right? That powerful army that he routed And he drove out of the land and shamed with his little paltry group of men, this huge army. They're still there. And and maybe he's wondering, when am I going to have to fight those guys again? Because God opens up this, this word and he says, fear not, Abram. How often do you see that in scripture? Fear not, fear not. Just count the times in the New Testament alone where Jesus or an angel says to his disciples, Fear not, do not be afraid. So God starts with, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Now, why would he say that? I think think he's reminding Abram, hey, you just came from a great battle. And I know you depended on your shield because a soldier in battle had a shield in those days. It it kept your vital organs safe, right? But God's saying, hey, Abram, I'm the one who is your shield. Hey, Abram, I'm the one who won that victory. You you were standing behind a shield, but really, you were standing behind me. You were standing behind me in the battle, and you're standing behind me now. I am your shield. And what is our shield in the spiritual armor of Ephesians 6? Remember that? The shield of, everybody say it. All right, two of you said it. Faith. In all circumstances, Paul said, take up the shield of faith. Faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, we don't literally pick up a shield and and get in our car tomorrow morning and drive to work, right? There's not a physical shield of faith. That is a representation Paul is saying there, you stand behind faith and your faith is placed in God, right? I mean, it's the shield of faith. Is that any faith? Does it matter? I mean, the, the mantra today is it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something, right? It doesn't matter what you have faith in as long as you have faith, right? right? How many believe that? Now, faith, listen, faith is only as valid as the object in which it is placed. I've said this to you before. Faith is only as valid as the object in which it is placed, talking to a guy the other day, happened to buy a car from him. I said, do you have a faith? He said, well, I believe good things happen to good people. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I believe, I believe in karma. And I said, well, we can, I didn't want to preach to him. I'm getting ready to buy his car. You know? so I, I didn't want to preach to him, but I said, well, we can agree to disagree. Listen, guys, can we, can we put faith in karma? Can some of you teenagers put faith in your good coolness? Because I don't have any coolness. You guys can attest to that. My coolness, is, if I ever had any, it's long gone. Can you teenagers put faith in your coolness? Some of you might think you can. You can't put faith in your coolness because it's going to dissipate, trust me. You can't put faith in your, in your stuff. You can't put faith in your pedigree, where you came from. You can't put faith in a great education. None of those things are bad, but you can't put faith in them because they, they, they can't hold you up. I remember years ago, Cindy and I were lying in bed. We were reading, and, and we all of a sudden heard this noise, this hissing noise. And we looked at each other like, what, what is that? And so it was coming from the kitchen. At least it sounded like it was coming from the kitchen. So I get out of bed, and I'm walking towards the kitchen. I'm kind of cocking my ear. So what is that noise? And by that point, as I get closer to the refrigerator, it's getting louder, but I'm already decided it's in the laundry room. It's got to be something in the laundry room, right? So I'm hustling past the refrigerator, and suddenly my feet hit a wet spot, and my feet go up, and my back goes down, and I land flat on my back. Ooh! What happened? Well, I had put my faith in the floor expecting that it would hold me up as, I, as it always has, right? It's never failed me. But at that point, the floor had changed because the hose to the ice maker in the back of the refrigerator had had a leak in it and water was everywhere. You see, the floor can't hold you up. Your coolness can't hold you up. Your money can't hold you up. Your education can't hold you up. Your good looks can't hold you up. Your church can't hold you up. The only valid object in which we can place our faith and not fail is our God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. Anything and everything else is dangerous. God says to Abram, I am your shield. He says that to me and you as well because God will never what? For changed, right? God will never change. God will never change. Change, He says, I'm the, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm your shield. I was your shield. I will be your shield. You can put your faith in me. And then God declared his promise to Abram. He says, your reward shall be very great. I'm your shield. Your reward will be very great. What's, what's the reward? He's not talking about stuff. Abram had all the stuff he needed. In fact, he had just turned down stuff with the king of Lot, right? Or Sodom. It's not, it's not stuff he's talking about here. What's the reward? Well, Brueggemann says, we do not live by what is possessed, but by what is promised. What was the promised reward that Abram was looking forward to? You know, right? I mean, it wasn't stuff. We could, you know, you guys who have been in other places where there's very, very, very poor people and not just in, not just in uh, third world countries, in America too. Very, very poor people. And we met some of these people that I've met in Haiti and Kenya and other places who have almost nothing. But they're not, what, you know, what they have is great joy. They're not joyful that they don't have anything, but their joy is great and it makes mine look pathetic because they have this great joy and they have this mountain of faith. It has nothing to do with their possessions. It's because they put their trust in God. They're living the lesson George Mueller taught without ever hearing George Mueller teach it. He said, God delights to increase the faith of his children. I say, and say it deliberately, trials, difficulties, and sometimes defeat are the very food of faith. You know, sometimes we're so satiated by all that we have and all that we know we will have, that we don't have a hunger for God and, and for his things and his way of life and his wisdom and his righteousness. And we need to ask God to give us the food of faith. So God is our great reward, but Abram had an unfulfilled promise on his mind. And so that's where the complaint Comes in. This is the first recorded dialogue between Abram and God. You say, wait a minute, God's spoken to Abraham before. Yeah, but Abraham's never been recorded as speaking back. So it's the first recorded dialogue between Abram and God. And what's on G- Abram's mind? I think this is how he said it. After God said, your, your reward would be great. I think Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? I, I continue childless. Behold, you've given me no offspring. You see, I don't think Abram is angry here. I think he's heartbroken. I think his heart is sick because he's been promised and it hasn't happened yet. He knows his heir will be his household servant if he dies, and he 's already over seventy five if he dies right now, Eliezer, his house, his number one servant, according to custom, you have no heirs, your trusted servant gets everything right and and, and he doesn 't want that he he, he said, Lord, I know he will be my heir. And Lord, didn't you tell me you would make me a great nation? Remember that, Lord? And Lord, when Lot separated from me and, and he went east, and, and then you told me to look at the dust of the earth, and you said, count the dust. And as, as many dust particles as you can count, that's how many your offspring will be. Remember that, Lord? Oh, Lord, I don't even have one offspring. You know, Proverbs thirteen twelve is a great verse. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I just wonder how many of you today, don't raise your hand, but how many of you today have a hope that you feel like God has promised you and it hasn't come to fruition yet? Something you, you, you're really hoping. You, you're not putting your faith in that. Your faith is in God. But your hope is in something you believe he's promised and you're longing for it. Well, then you know how Abram felt. And it was a real feeling And I love Abram's raw complaint to the Lord and his God. You know, I don't see this as a man who's doubting God's goodness. I certainly don't see this as a man who's rejecting God's promises. Yeah, right. Like I can believe you anymore, Lord. No, no, I don't see that at all. Rather, I see it as a man seeking to understand the promise and the fulfillment of it. Augustine wrote this. I think this is a great quote. Write this down or put it in your memory banks, guys. Understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. This is so critical. I meet young people today in classrooms. You do too. You know young people maybe in your own house who say... You know what? I'm not going to believe all this Christian stuff until I can understand it perfectly. And because I don't understand it perfectly, I dismiss it totally. And they're missing the whole point. Nobody except for God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus understands it perfectly. It is a that's why it's called the mystery of the gospel. But the door into understanding it more fully It's faith. It's faith. It's not anything else. You know, even more than Abraham's honesty, I love the amazing grace of a holy God. This holy God who's powerful enough to create the whole universe and everything in it with a word is gentle enough to listen to this one puny little creation of his and his complaint prayer. You ever do complaint prayers? They used to call it yarping back in the 70s. Yeah, you're yarping. You ain't praying. You're yarping. Well, complaint prayers sometimes are okay, right? I mean, as long as we're not, we're not arguing with God to the point where, we're, where we are, are saying, we don't believe you anymore, but where we're saying, Lord, I don't understand. Help me understand. And so the linchpin, you know, God. what happens next is God gives Abram assurance. Now, look. The Lord said, in effect, No, Abram, Eliezer is not your servant. He's not. I mean, he's not going to be your heir. No, forget that. He's a nice guy, Eliezer. He's a good Jewish boy. Well, maybe he's not Jewish. Anyway, your servant is, I mean, your son is going to be your heir. And I imagine Abram still looking at God like, I know you said this before. But come on. And so he says, Abram, go outside. So Abram's inside. He's having this vision apparently at night. And so Abram goes out of the tent, and he says, look at the night sky. And then he says, count the stars. Abram, go ahead, go ahead, number the stars. Now, in my sometimes fertile imagination, uh, I imagine Abram just taking this real literally. And I think he, he may have looked up at the sky and went, one, two, three, four. And maybe this went on for a long time. God's patient, right? And he got up to about 120, and God says, Abram yes Lord that's good you're you're, you're good okay now that number you just counted and a whole lot more than you can't even imagine that's going to be the number of your heirs and guys at this point I believe Abram looked up at the Lord maybe a tear rolled rolled down his cheek and he said yes Lord and that's when it happened The linchpin of faith. The linchpin of faith. This verse is the linchpin of faith. Perhaps one of the most important verses in the Bible. It's his faith and it's our faith. Abram believed... The Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Listen, what did Abram do then? He believed the Word of God. He leaned into God with all of his might and all of his soul and all of his heart and all of his mind. He leaned into God and he believed Him. He may have reached out for a hug. John Calvin said, Faith is not a distant view, but a warm embrace of Christ. Important question. Listen, saints, listen. Important question. At this point, did Abram fully understand the promise? No, he didn't. Because if he did, chapter 16 wouldn't happen. Two weeks from now, Mike is going to preach about where Abram loses a little bit of that faith and tries to take matters into his own hands and do a workaround. At his wife's urging. But Abram made the decision. No, he didn't, he didn't understand. But listen, he believed God. At this moment, he believed God. And, and it became righteousness for him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Are you serious? When he believed God in his heart at that moment, then that was righteousness for Abram? That can't be right. I, I think there's probably something else. Maybe, maybe he prayed for four hours after he believed, and then God said, okay, now you're righteous. What do you think? Okay, wait a minute. Maybe he memorized the book of Genesis, which, by the way, hadn't been written yet, and then God said, okay, now you're righteous. You tracking with me? You guys look like you're asleep. No, all right, he went and told 15 people about God. He, he witnessed about God, and then God said, okay, now you're good, you're good boy. No, all right. He went to the altar, sacrificed hundred rams. Everybody said. Everybody said, he went one. Oh, here it is. This is the one. This is the one. This is what we try to do every day, right? He went one whole day without doing one thing wrong, and then God said, "All right, now, now I can give you, I can count righteousness in your. I put in your account, Abram. You did it. How many of you have ever done?" One Gone one day without doing anything wrong. Don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. We'll have to have some counseling afterwards. Let's look at the word together. No, guys, listen. If he had trusted in any of those things I just listed, what would his faith have been based on? His works. And his faith was based on simply believing the word of God. And that's when God said, Now... I'm giving righteousness to your account. You are righteous in my eyes. You know, the word in Hebrew for faith here literally means to consider something dependable, reliable, and acting on that belief. So faith leads to actions. That's the whole point of the book of James. Faith without works is dead. Faith leads to actions, but the word literally means I put my full weight in this thing I'm trusting, this Thing, not thing, person, and then I will act accordingly. It, his faith, was counted to him as righteousness, not his works. This verse is referred to four times in the New Testament. Romans twice, Galatians once, and James once. This same verse, Genesis, what is it, fifteen, six. Four times repeated, twice by three times by Paul, once by James. Uh, in, in Romans 4, Paul writes this. He says, Abraham, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, in hope he, Abraham, believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. What does that mean? Even though Abraham was being told that he would have a child and it was impossible for him to have a child and it was impossible for his wife to have a child because they were too old, they were as good as dead, Paul says in Romans, right? Even though it was impossible, he believed the word of God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. In Galatians 3, Paul writes to us, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. How do we become people of faith? It's very simple. Like Abraham, we have to trust. We have to trust God, whom we do know, to take care of the things that we don't know ahead of us, around us. We have to trust God. We put our faith in him. Faith in his future grace glorifies God. Faith in future grace glorifies God. God's grace is for you today. It was, it was yesterday, and it's tomorrow, right? Future grace, and we trust in that. Do you know that the African impala has a vertical leap of over 10 feet? Now everybody looks up. 10 feet. How many have hops like that? Can you jump 10 feet? Just standing still, 10 feet in the air. Dick Orkut, I know you can, Dick, with two or three trampolines and a jet pack. 10 feet in the air, and when it's running and leaping, that bad boy can jump 30 feet or more. But do you know that you can put an African impala in a zoo and you can put a wall that's about three foot high where that African impala is and it will keep that African impala right there even though it can jump 10 feet or 30 feet. You know why? Because the African impala will not jump if it doesn't see where his feet will land. Majestic Powerful, athletic, unbelievable creations of God, but faithless. (laughs) Faithless. If I can't see it, I'm not going there. You see, that's living by sight, not by faith. And we're called, as people of God, to place our faith in God, believe in Him, and then take that leap that God's told you to do in your life, believing that he's got it. Let's all stand and say this together. This is called the Apostles' Creed. It was written during the Apostles' period. When we get to the end, don't be thrown off by the word Catholic. It has nothing to do with the Roman Catholic Church. It simply means universal, the Catholic, the universal church. Let's say this together, two slides, so don't stop after dead. Here we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for your promise to Abraham, which was also a promise to us. The covenant that you cut with Abraham, which we'll look at next week, is the foundation of the new covenant that we have in Christ. And Lord, we too want to be counted in that number of those who said, I believe in God, I believe him, and you credit to us righteousness. You give us eternal life as a result. Lord, grow us in our faith. Bring those in this room who are not yet believers into faith for the first time and grow the rest of us into greater and greater faith that we might have faith to believe all of your promises and to do all you've called us to do. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's greet one another in the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Mark Fox of Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. Antioch meets every Sunday for worship at 10 o'clock a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon. You can download other messages by Pastor Fox at antiochchurch.cc. You can also learn how to order his books or subscribe to his blog at jmarkfox.com.